Hello, friends, and welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, a best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. And I created the U-Turn book and the podcast as a place to help you connect to who you truly are at your core. And that's why every single week, I want to bring a guest on with the intention of helping you expand what's possible for you, both in your confidence, whether it's in work or love, and just in life in general. So let's get into this week's episode. Hey, U-Turn friends. Uh, It is so rare that a friend of mine texts me and says, like, you need to have this woman on your show Um, because we're just all busy in our lives, doing life, whatever that means. And it was recently that my really good friend, Gina DeVee, who uh, I just look up to in so many ways, messaged me and said, you have to meet my new friend, Nicole Khalil. She is the author of a new book coming out called Validation is for Parking. She has five different confidence derailers and really builders that you can use to respond to them. And she has her own definition of confidence. And not only that, she's an in-demand speaker, a leadership strategist, a respected coach, host of the This Is Woman's Work podcast. And she is just really obsessed with confidence and it sets her apart from so many people out there just saying you need to be confident. There's so much more. And she gives you actionable tools, not just stories, you know, so that you can become confident. So I'm really excited today to talk about five ways to build your confidence, five ways that you're derailing your confidence. And we just can turn the lights on and get you out of this episode and into the world the way you're supposed to be. The fall season is here, and while I watch the New York City leaves turn from green to brown, I cannot help but get really excited about the fall flavors. And like many of you, pumpkin spice just so happens to be one fall flavor I can't get enough of. So when our friends over at Soul CBD let me know they were releasing a new CBD tincture flavor of pumpkin spice, I had to get my hands on this bottle and I want to share it with you. This tincture is the perfect starting point for your CBD journey. The reason that I love Soul CBD's products so much is that they're 99% hemp derived. So there's no THC, no fillers, just pure plant-powered relief. So heading into the holidays with stressful travel, end of the year work rushes, having some extra support to calm your nervous system and reduce inflammation is so key. Just a few pumpkin spice CBD drops will do the trick. It's gluten-free, sugar-free, organic, everything free, feels like. (laughs) And this tincture is convenient and portable. You can just throw it in your purse or your bag so relief is just a drop away anytime, anywhere. Spice up your morning coffee with this pumpkin spice tincture or simply place a few drops under your tongue during a break. It's easy, it's powerful, it's delicious. Soul CBD has an epic discount to share with the U-Turn community of 15% off your order. Just head on over to ashleystall.com slash soul. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-T-A-H-L.com slash S-O-U-L to access our special page with them. And don't forget to use the code U-Turn, Y-O-U-T-U-R-N at checkout. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Uh, Nicole, thank you so much for coming on the show. Ashley, thank you so much for having me. And I am so excited to turn the lights on. I love that you said that. I I don't know where that came from. I've never (laughs) said that on this entire show. Did that even make sense? It made so, it like got me fired up. I'm like, yeah, the lights are on. Let's do this. Get these fucking lights on. Honestly, (laughs) it's so funny because when I MC events or I keynote or whatever, and you get this since you speak like 
things that come out of my mouth, I'm like, I'm scared for myself. Cause it's like, <laughs> we're in a world right now where you really need to be mindful and, and rightfully so. And shit just comes out of your mouth. Sometimes it's so weird. Yeah. And sometimes you're like, that was fucking brilliant. Like, yeah. <laughs> what did I just say? Like, how do I capture that in a bottle and say it yeah. again? Um, and then sometimes you're like, oh, what was that? That was inappropriate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> okay. So what got you in so obsessed with confidence outside of the obvious where everybody wants it? What made you study it, focus on it, write about it? And I yeah. literally can't deal with the fact that your book is called Validation is for Parking. What a straight <laughs> up way to tell the truth. <laughs> I, I I absolutely love it. I had some help coming up with the title. And when we landed on it, it was like, you know, the heavens opened up, the light shone through. We we're like, that is it. Um, so to answer your question is what really led me into the journey and, and discovery about confidence and this kind of obsession, soccer-like obsession that I have uh, is so many people thought I had confidence and I knew I had none of it. Like internally, Things did not feel, they did not, you know, they weren't the way that they looked on the outside. On the outside, I was, you know, collecting professional successes. I had bought my second home by the time I was 30. I was in a male-dominated industry, first female in my role in many roles, executive level, like all the stuff, right? Like I had the size six designer clothes, driving the nice car. Internally, I was lonely. I was second guessing myself constantly. I literally was divided between feeling like I was both too much and never enough. Um, it, it just kind of got to the point where people were telling me how confident I was. And I felt so uncomfortable in my own skin that I felt like I needed to learn about confidence and go get some of it. And that was really the starting point. Mm, okay. So I feel like someone who is listening to this right now, they're probably like, okay, I, I know I don't have confidence. I have a really good friend and I literally like want to slap her because she always says like, I need help <clears throat> as if she's broken. Right. And I think there's something really powerful about being able to say, I need help, but also knowing you're not broken, knowing that this confidence isn't something out there. You order like a latte, you mm -hmm. can cultivate it and it's already inside of you. So what would be a starting point? And, and what is your definition of confidence? Like, what does it even mean? Yeah. So um, first, let me acknowledge that you are dead on. So much of us uh, believe that confidence is something that's going to come to us from some sort of external source, right? Like when we get the promotion, then we'll feel confident. When we make a certain level of income, when we fit in a certain size, when we have perfectly behaved kids, when, you know, the person of our dreams chooses us, then we'll feel confident. And it doesn't work that way. Confidence is an inside out game. Um, I call this the confidence con. We have become so confused about what confidence is, mostly because of media and advertising. Um, they know we want confidence. And so they tell us if you buy this thing or if you do this you know, program or if you get this product, then you'll feel confident. And, and it's created a lot of confusion and 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 all of that. So my definition of confidence, my working definition of confidence is confidence is when you know who you are, you own what you're not, and you choose to embrace all of it. Mm, okay. Why do we think it's so hard for people and there's so much shame in owning who you are? And I feel like a lot of us don't know who we are. Like, I think it was episode 76 of the show 
we had this um, shamanistic like power woman, Tatiana Rayon, and she talked about how we're all kind of like Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. And we just like put these pieces on like I love cupcakes and rap music and it's all part of my Mrs. Potato Head. So it's interesting because it's almost like there's a deeper question of who the fuck are you mm-hmm. when you say owning who we are. So and I think that's probably part of confidence is knowing that. And when you Absolutely. know that, you it's like quicksand, you get absorbed by different groups of people or you you cling on to different hobbies just so that you feel a sense of self. So how do you even recommend someone get started in getting to know who they are? Yeah. So I have an exercise that I do with my coaching clients and I've done a few podcast episodes on it. It's called the things I know to be true about me at this point in my life. And it's basically, first, we have to take the time to reconnect with ourselves. We are so busy. We're so distracted. There's so much noise that it's really easy to disconnect from who we are. It's just easy to disconnect from our inner knowing or inner voice. And so we we do need to set set aside some time to to reconnect to it. And and that's what this exercise does is it just forces you to sit down and think about what are the things you know to be true about you at this point in your life? Because we are evolving, growing humans. So what we learn and discover and know about ourselves will also grow and evolve. But this is our opportunity to focus on our strengths, our superpowers, our unique abilities and talents. What makes you, you from your perspective? Um, and, And it's just a very initial starting point, but it's a good one because every time I do this, especially with women, the average number of people will come up with is six, six things they know to be true about themselves. And I'm like, you are, you've lived so many years of life. You've had so many experiences. You're a complex individual. You are a human in this world. You cannot tell me that there are only six things that you know about yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and yet when I ask them to do the exercise for somebody they love, Oh, yeah. Like a significant other or whatever, the average number they'll come up with is 32. Yeah. So just forcing ourselves to slow down a minute and, and start thinking about what about me? Like, what yeah. do I know about myself? Yeah. Yeah. Um, first of all, I'm like distracted because I got bit by a mosquito on my butt. So I don't know if you see the <laughs> shifting in my chair, but I'm like, it's such a big bite on my ass. But Anyway, like, oh my God, I love that so much. I have like 400 mosquito bites on my body. They love me. They love me. But my, it's interesting. I'm listening to you and I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, I've read research. I think it was a a scientific kind of book called like happily ever after or married ever after the science of getting married or something like that. It talked about how there's research study after research study that shows that we don't know ourselves as well as people who watch us and that our friends are going to know if we're destined for divorce way before um, we are. And even as in the early stages of being a couple before you're even married. So I love what you're sharing about collecting feedback from people. And I also see the slippery slope side of it, of like being that person that doesn't know who they are. So they're collecting so much information and shopping for feedback from everyone that they don't know who they are even more. Yeah. And so it's like, how do you recommend someone take feedback from the people around them and filter through it with that sense of self so that they can kind of choose something that's beyond the Mr. or Mrs. Potato Head? You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah. So great, great, great question. A few thoughts kind of ran through my mind. First of all, let's uh, kind of identify what feedback is. Feedback is a person's perspective or interpretation of you or an event or a thing. So 
feedback along with judgment or, or, or uh, opinions often tell you more about the person giving than the person receiving. Mm. So when somebody gives you feedback, you get to choose whether or not you agree with or are going to do something with or are going to internalize said feedback. I know it doesn't feel like that always, but it is always within our control what we do with somebody's feedback. But we need to be mindful that when somebody gives us feedback, what they're telling us is how they see things. Um, Having said that, if you're getting feedback from somebody who knows and loves you, uh, because people who know and love you will give you feedback you don't necessarily want to hear, but they'll do it in a loving way. If somebody's being a jerk about it, then that might not be feedback you want to consider. Um, if you get consistent feedback, like my mom used to tell me if uh, one person calls you and asks, say, thank you very much for the feedback. If 10 people call you and ask, go buy a saddle because you're an ass, uh-huh. right? <laughs> so like, you know, if there's consistency there, you probably want to think about it, good or bad feedback. You know, uh, I love what you're sharing there because I, one of my ex-boyfriends who I'm good friends with now I remember when I started giving him feedback that he was a little more self-focused and like, didn't really think of the other. It was super vulnerable. This moment I had with him where he looked at me and said, I've gotten this feedback before and the humility it takes to get negative feedback. Like nobody wants to be told that they're self-focused, you know? Right. Yeah. And to say, I've heard this before, it was like a transformation tool in our connection. It was like him holding himself accountable to the feedback with me and with himself. So. I encourage anyone who I, I love what you said about, you know, getting a saddle for your ass or whatever. You're amazing. Great. Um, and that's such a thing. And so, um, okay, continue on. And I also know you have your five confidence derailers that I want to ask you about and yeah. anything more, but I want to ask you about number one, as soon as you're done with this piece. Yeah. I just would add, you know, we get to choose what we want to do with the feedback. Do we want to accept it? Do we want to do something about it? Do we, you know, so for example, um, if somebody gave me the feedback, you're not skinny. like. I'm never going to be skinny. That's not my body type. So like, what do I want to do that? Well, whatever. Right. Like, um, but if somebody gives me the feedback that I'm impatient, I've heard that consistently. And it's something that I know to be true about myself. I've owned it. Um, there are some good sides to that. That means I'm a good decision maker or a quick decision maker. I get into action quickly, you know, those types of things, but I have to be really careful about the downside of that. And so asking myself, what do I want to do with this? And for me, the answer was, you know, to learn, to grow, to leverage, to delegate, to be transparent, to be vulnerable um, about that particular piece of feedback. Okay. And um, I still love what you're sharing. And it's funny that you came up with this because I came up with this as well. And I used to think, oh, I'm so brilliant for this idea because it was so good of what do you know to be true? Because we do get stuck on what we don't know. And this is with decision-making, this is with ourselves. So I ask this question to friends all the time, or or it's like, what do you know to be true? Let's get out of what you don't know, because what you don't know is all part of the little spiral vortex that we don't need to go in. Yeah. And when we get into what we know, there's so much that it's like, shit, this is perfectly fine. You know, this is perfectly informative. Now we know what to do next. So, you know, it's like, um, I was looking at my friend, uh, Brianna, the other day, and she's like, who am I? And I said to her, um, you're warm, like you're incredibly warm. Um, you believe in service. You want to help people. Um, you are into beauty. You keep yourself together, you know, and 
actually, before we even get into the confidence derailers, which this is kind of one of them, I want to ask you, um, I know one of your derailers is seeking outside confidence. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like so excited to ask you about this. I literally can't wait until we get to number five. So I'm asking you now, okay, I'm I just turned 35 this past weekend and I got Botox and I'm having somebody on the podcast to talk about the pluses and minuses because I was scared to get it. Um, I have a lot of confidence. I think I have a like healthy amount of self-esteem. I think I have a healthy amount of not self-esteem in some areas, like nobody's confident everywhere. And if there's anything I learned working in counterterrorism, it's that my saving grace is knowing what I don't know or knowing uh-huh. what I'm not yet, not pretending to be something. Um, what is your take on these outside things like Botox, like vampire facials, like fillers, like a liposuction? where you look in the mirror and you say, I really don't feel good about these crow's feet under my eyes. Um, or if you're me and the doctor asked me, what do you want with this Botox? I told her, I want my forehead to look like an ice skating rink. Like just make <laughs> it not move. <laughs> Cause I filmed my you. whole YouTube channel and was like, oh my God, I look like a pug on the top of my head. So, and I just can't with that. I, so What's your feedback around? I have confidence and I want this Botox because it makes me feel better. Right. Yeah. So great question. And I will say that this is something I still think through myself. So I don't have like a 100% answer and I would submit to you. And this is always my opinion. It is up to you to decide. You have to decide for yourself what's right. What's not you do you I'll do me. They should do them. Right. Like, um, but here's what I know about confidence. First, we are using the word confidence fairly incorrectly. We, um, as a society, think confidence is about feeling good. Uh, we think confidence is being successful or or feeling attractive. The root of the word confidence, the etymology, if, if you want to be a geek about it like I do, um, is trust. Confidence is when you trust yourself firmly and boldly, boldly. That's it. That's what confidence is. Confidence is trusting yourself saying, I have confidence in something or someone means that you trust that thing or that person. So confidence in its simplest form is about trust. So when people get Botox or fillers or boob jobs or whatever it might be, I think what's happening is we, so the question is, does that make you more confident? The answer is no. Because I can't figure out how any of those things would make you trust yourself more. But the problem isn't whether or not, you know, it has to do with confidence. The the problem is, 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 um, we're not using the word correctly. So if you want to feel more attractive, if you want to feel more successful or look a certain way, that is a choice. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's, it's. So for example, if you're going to get Botox because it's going to make you look more attractive on your YouTube videos, great. Nothing wrong with that. Just the confusion around that it's going to make you more confident is, is uh, you know, probably not. Said another way, like if you think about building trust with another person, do you trust another person more or less if they have Botox, more or less if they have 
you know, perfectly bouncy boobs. It it doesn't matter. You might find them more attractive or more appealing or or a certain look might send the message that they're more successful or have their stuff together or whatever the case may be. And again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I just want to be careful that we don't think that confidence is going to come to us from anything or anyone outside of us. It just doesn't work that way. Mm. So I always put it like this. Any of those things may make you feel good. Right. Like if I get a compliment, of course that feels good. If I get validation, of course I like that. But all of that stuff is icing on the confidence cake, mm-hmm. not the cake itself. The cake itself happens only internally. Mm. Okay. So <clears throat> when we look at these five different confidence derailers, I know number one is perfectionism. I say this in my TED talk that perfectionism is a mask that we wear when we're afraid of failure. It's yes. a deep fear of failure. So talk to me a little bit about your take on this. <clears throat> have you been a perfectionist? What is it really about and how to kind of build your confidence when you are a perfectionist? Yeah, well, you said it best. Um, and, and that is why perfectionism is the enemy of confidence because it's basically a mask for a whole host of insecurities. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and yes, I am a recovering perfectionist. I have absolute perfectionist tendencies, something I have to be mindful of all the time, especially in my quest to trust myself. Um, but for me, perfectionism is this thing that we have, this belief that we're supposed to do it all. We're supposed to have it all. We're supposed to be it all. And we're supposed to look good while doing it. And we can never let anybody see anything that we're afraid of, or that we might have doubts or that isn't going well or whatever. It's, it's a, basically a show we put on. And if you think about it, of course, that would chip away at our trust in ourselves. Like I said earlier, if I'm spending so much energy on how it looks to other people and no energy on how it is and how it feels inside, that's going to ultimately do damage to all of our trust, all of our confidence in ourselves. Got it. Okay. And I know that there's a lot of people who are listening and they're like, I mean, it's maybe it's cultural, it's deep rooted in their upbringing. Maybe it has to do with mom issues, dad issues. I don't know. They're mm-hmm. perfectionist. H- how do you get started in, in unraveling that knot? This episode has been brought to you in part by Bioptimizers. You've probably heard me talk about magnesium by now, but it's really hard to overstate how important magnesium is for all aspects of our health. In fact, there's a really long list of symptoms and diseases that can be treated or even cured with magnesium. It has been used for all sorts of conditions, whether it's an arrhythmia, constipation, preeclampsia, and even seizures. So you don't want to wait until you're magnesium deficient. Now, I'm usually a big advocate of getting as many of our nutrients as we can through a very well-balanced diet. It would just be perfect if we could do that. But in this case, it's almost impossible to get enough magnesium taken through your food alone because our soil right now in the United States and around the world is so overworked and mineral depleted and it lacks organic matter, which helps the plants get minerals from the soil. So this is why I read somewhere that if 10 years ago we needed to eat one orange, now we would need to eat 10 oranges for the same amount of nutrients. So it's just impossible to eat the amount of food to get the minerals you need. That's why I'm so excited that Bioptimizers has such an amazing solution. Their magnesium breakthrough supplement is the only product in the market with all seven different types of magnesium. Yes, there's seven. I had no idea until finding this product and using it. 
and it's specifically formulated to reach every tissue in your body to provide maximum health benefits. Bioptimizer Magnesium Breakthrough gives you access to the full spectrum of magnesium, which can dramatically improve your overall health from reducing stress to improving sleep and boosting your energy levels. We all know how much I love energy levels being boosted. So right now you can try Bioptimizer's Magnesium Breakthrough and any other Bioptimizer's product for 10% off. Just go to magbreakthrough.com slash U-turn. That's M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H.com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. And make sure you use the U-turn code to boost your intake of magnesium and get that discount and start feeling better today. Don't wait to be deficient. Start taking the best product you can to improve your well-being now. Just head to magbreakthrough.com slash U-turn. Now let's get back to this week's episode. So the antidote to perfectionism, and nobody's going to like this, but it is the antidote, and it is a confidence builder, which was the most surprising discovery to me in my work on confidence, is failure. Mm. Failure is a confidence builder. It is the antidote to perfectionism. It's basically giving yourself permission to risk, to make mistakes, to be transparent under the um, awareness that nobody gets anywhere worth getting without failing. The Mm. most successful people in the world have failed the most. The most confident people in the world say, I don't know, I screwed up. You know, uh, we um, have this thing that we operate as if our failures are who we are versus something we did. Mm-hmm. You are not your failures. You are not a failure. You may have failed. You have made a mistake, but we have the opportunity to interact with our failures however we want because a failure is a neutral event. Um, we're the ones bringing meaning to it. So as opposed to seeing it as a failure, what if you chose to look at it as a gift, mm-hmm. a lesson, an opportunity? Um Basically, our opportunity with failure as it relates to perfectionism is to, you know, relax a little bit, get out there and take some risks, be real, um, and choose to fail forward when we, when we do. Mm -hmm. I love this idea of failing forward. And I think anything that anytime you tell yourself you're failing backward, I don't even know if that exists. Like, yeah, always learning. Um, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of what you're saying of like rejection therapy, like just get, you know, I remember I had a, a friend who was a coach and she had a client who would not date, but he really wanted to find a partner. And she's like, all right, we're going to the grocery store for their coaching session. Like instead of sitting there in the office, she's like, we're going to the grocery store and you need to head on one person that you find interesting. And I'm going to be in the front with a cup of coffee. So you let me know when you're done with that. And I remember she was saying that he got rejected the first time and cause she had a husband or something. And then the second time he totally hit it off with someone. And then the third time he got rejected, but by the time he was rejected, like five times, he felt total freedom. And so I feel like this perfectionism thing of just like being imperfect, it's like really amazing. You're just kind of yeah. like, this is what it is. Cool. Great. Okay. So. Number and it's two, almost yeah. never as bad as we make it up in our mind. It's no. going to be right. Like it's, <laughs> Uh, you said this earlier that I, and I wanted to tag on this too. We have a tendency to think about what's the worst thing that could happen. If you're going to do that, then force yourself to ask what's the best thing that could happen. Cause if you're going to look at one side of the coin, you should definitely look at the other. So, yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, 
speaking of looking at one side, but then also looking at the other, your second derailer that you write about with validation is for parking is head trash, which I feel like, you know, your story in your head can go either way. So talk to me a little bit about what is, what do you mean by head trash? Yeah. So it's basically what normal people call the inner critic, but I wanted to make it sound as disgusting as it actually is. So I call it head trash. And it's basically the voice that lives inside of all of our minds that speaks to us about us and says things that are never kind and very rarely true. It's the inner dialogue, you know, and we have a lot of voices in our head. We have, you know, the one that is just utter nonsense where like a, a thought will fly in your head. Like, what's the difference between Gorgonzola and blue cheese? Is there a difference? Right. Like that's just random stuff. Um, then we have a running to-do list of things we, you know, need to get done. It's like, go to the dry cleaner, get this proposal in, swing by the grocery store. Don't forget the Gorgonzola, right? And then we have head trash, which is just the nasty voice that's like, if you eat that Gorgonzola, you're going to gain 15 pounds. Nobody's going to love you. You're going to be alone forever and you're, you're worthless, mm. right? And the thing about head trash that's important to think about is, would you ever say those things to somebody that you love? Like, would you ever say them to your best friend, your sister, a close coworker, your child? The answer is no. We would literally never say those things to anybody that we love. And shouldn't we first and foremost be somebody that we love? Um, there is a meme flying around that I love that basically says we spend the bulk of our lives inside our own minds. We might as well make it a nice place to be. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really our opportunity here is to um, be mindful of the thoughts and the things that we're telling ourselves, obviously saying really nasty, ugly things about yourself to yourself is going to chip away at your trust and your confidence. So, mm, okay. It's interesting. It's such a habit. The way you talk to yourself, the neural pathways are like those concave areas in your brain are so defined and it's, it feels like, um, pushing against gravity to change how you talk to yourself. And it probably feels really fake to someone. So what feedback do you have when someone's like, kind of like, cause it's such a fine line between like speaking kindly to yourself and what feels like a mental game of ping pong, like Mm -hmm. the voice in your head's like, you're shitty. And then the response is, no, you're not. And it's like back forth, back forth. How do you start to integrate that kinder version of communication? Like what would be an example or I don't know, just any feedback. Yeah. So the confidence builder, the antidote to head trash is giving grace um, mm-hmm. and, and to yourself and others. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are lots of things, but I, I would first and foremost say to notice it mm-hmm. and then to name it. Mm-hmm. So I call it head trash. If you want to call it something else, that's fine. But r- really going like, I know what that thought was. That was head trash it loses some of its power because I think a lot of times we're interacting with our head trash as if it's some sort of inner knowing or like as if it's fact or real as opposed to calling it what it is. This is head trash. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, yes, it's going to take a ton of practice, but to practice replacing the unkind, untrue thought with something else. Mm -hmm. the simplest one, this, if I, you know, there are mantras, affirmations, there's so many ways that you can prepare to protect yourself from your own head trash. 
Yeah. But the easiest, simplest one that I use often is if, if I, I if head trash flies into my brain, I start saying gentle, gentle, gentle over and over as a reminder to be gentle yeah. with myself in the same way I would another person that I love. That doesn't mean I won't challenge myself. That doesn't mean I won't get uncomfortable or, or feel hurt or anything like that. It just reminds me to not be shitty with myself in, in the process. Wow. I love that. And I talk to my dog like that. I'm like gentle. (laughs) Yeah. My inner puppy gentle, you know? Um, okay. I love how you're doing that. And I also, I notice with me that when I'm really stressed, especially like maybe social anxiety, which I don't tend to get, but when I do get it, like a speaking engagement or something, I'll say, um, it's okay, Ash, like you've done this before. You're going to be okay. You've got this. And even if you don't, I love you. You don't need to be perfect. You know, you're a human being. It's insane. The pressure we put on ourselves. So I'm guessing that's the antidote to head trash is just giving grace, which I love that. Um, Okay. Number three, overthinking. I mean, I could overthink this one, but like, (laughs) tell me about it. (laughs) Yeah. Couldn't we all? Um, So I want to be clear first and foremost, that thinking is not a problem overthinking is what chips away at our confidence. And and overthinking is really any amount of extra energy, time, you know, uh, that we spend just basically letting the wheels in our brain turn. And and, and the reason overthinking is problematic is because it leads to inaction. Mm. And inaction leads to regret. If you, you know, took a poll of the most successful people, you know, um, or even just people in their later stages of life, and you ask them about their biggest regrets, they will mostly tell you about the things they didn't do, mm-hmm. not the things they did. Um, so inaction is going to be one of our biggest um, regrets in life and, and overthinking is problematic because it, it creates inaction over and over again. Mm. Um there has been studies done on this in the military initially, and then in, in business, uh, to kind of think about when is the right time to act. Mm-hmm. And basically the, the discovery was somewhere between when you have somewhere between 40 to 70% of the information, the research, the data, the, you know, whatever, somewhere in that range is the right time to take action. Anything mm-hmm. Less than 40%, you're taking way too much risk. You don't know enough. Anything over 70%, you fall into the category of too late for meaningful action. I'm an overthinker too. And that like really, I I, recognized how often I was trying to get 100% ready to do something before I would do it. And and if you think about it logically, that's just not an achievable result. The only way to be 100% ready to do something is to do the thing. Um, So just getting into action a little bit sooner, uh, than, than us overthinkers yeah. w- would, th- would think is the key there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I also find that the root of overthinking, like I, one of my partners romantically, he had an overthinking, can't make decisions indecisive thing. And it came from a cultural upbringing where he came from a collectivistic culture and he was taught not to trust himself and that what was best, what was best for everyone and not to have a sense of self. And I think that's so common for people who don't know who they are, who overthink or get indecisive is like this deep rooted upbringing where the message you got was like, care about what everybody else needs and not you, or have less of a sense of self that's selfish. 
Um, and so I think there's, you know, the capitalist in me, the all American babe in me is like, you know, yeah. I grew up where it's like, have a sense yeah. of self individualistic. Um, okay. So number four is comparison and judgment. Um, what is, how does that derail your confidence? What does that look like? Um, I had a friend, I think that maybe it comes from Christianity. She said, comparison is the thief of all joy. I love that. She said that. Yeah. Um, I love yeah, that. What does it look too. like for you? Um, so I think this is the one we all are like, oh yeah, I know what that looks and feels like. Right. It's, it, it, and it's made easier in today's day and age with social media. I'm not saying judgment and comparison didn't exist, mm-hmm. you know, 30 years ago. Of course it did. But now we can literally pick up our phones anytime we want, scroll on social media. And it's so easy to go, why am I not vacationing in Bali like this person? Why don't I have as many followers or likes as that person? What am I doing wrong? What's wrong with me? Why am I so far behind? Blah, blah, blah. And then you just go into beat up mode. Um, trusting yourself would if you think about it, would mean that you don't need to compare yourself to anyone at all. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not inspired by people or that um, you might not look at somebody and think, what can I learn from them? Or what are they doing that's different or better? But it doesn't need to make you less than. And that's really what's problematic and why uh, comparison is chipping away at our confidence is because typically what we're doing is when we compare, we create a judgment from that comparison that either has us come out ahead or come out behind. So we compare ourselves to somebody and we come out behind. It's like, what's wrong with me? I suck. You know, I think that's pretty obvious to see why that would chip away at our confidence. But the other thing, the other side of the coin is happening too, where we judge and come out ahead, meaning at least I'm not an idiot like that person or what a moron, or you see this a lot with, um, in the comment sections of uh, social media. And it may temporarily make us feel good, but it actually chips away at our confidence just as much as the inverse, because what it triggers isn't confidence, it triggers arrogance. It requires us to feel better than somebody and therefore somebody else to feel less than. And, And again, the brain just doesn't care which direction the comparison or judgment is going, if you feed it, it's going to keep doing it. And so it's just a matter of time before that judgment turns turns back on you. So as it relates to trusting ourselves, as it relates to being confident people, we have to do a lot of work and then practice setting aside the comparison where we either come out ahead or come up out behind and really be mindful of all of our, our judgments. Hey, U-Turners, this episode is brought to you in part by Glad Skin, the skincare products restoring natural balance to your skin. So did the eczema or acne you perhaps had as a kid follow you into adulthood? Living with a visible skin condition like eczema can impact your sleep, confidence, and even your sense of self. And you deserve so much better than that. It is so real how we feel when other people look at us. And even though it's important to love ourselves, I think part of that comes down to really rethinking our skin treatment. And that's why I love Glad Skin. Glad Skin is a completely new category of skin treatment that is made for people of all ages with eczema prone, acne prone, or rosacea prone skin. 
So you might be wondering what actually causes the itchiness or the redness or the inflammation or the discomfort that you see on your skin. And it's actually a disruption of your bacterial environment called the skin microbiome. Glad Skin specifically works to target the imbalance in your skin's microbiome. But unlike any other skin brands and prescription medications, Glad Skin uses Microbalance, which is a revolutionary protein that restores the balance of the good and the bad bacteria that live on your skin so you can finally heal. It's been so effective that 91% of users, adults and children, who tried their top-selling eczema cream reported significant improvement after just seven days. So I especially love their products because Glad Skin with Micro Balance is steroid-free, works without any harsh ingredients, and is clinically proven to reduce eczema symptoms. It's so gentle, even babies use it. So if you've been frustrated with your treatment options, don't wait to try Glad Skin. They're offering the U-Turn community 15% off plus free shipping on your first order at gladskin.com slash U-Turn. That's gladskin.com slash U-Turn. G-L-A-D-S. K-I-N.com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N and make sure you use the U-Turn code for 15% off plus free shipping. I use their makeup remover and their facial bar every single day and then some. I can't wait to hear how much you love them. Now let's get back to this week's episode. You know, you talk about being mindful of your judgments. I feel like it's, it's so automatic to compare yourself. How do you even stop that? You know, like... What do you say when you catch yourself in the middle of it? Is it like gentle or what do you do in those moments? Yeah. Yeah. So the antidote to comparison and judgment is choosing confidence. Now you're probably thinking, well, that sounds kind of either easier said than done or like, what does that even mean? Um, So I, I, one of the really important discoveries in, in all of my research around confidence is, is we think confidence is a feeling. Mm-hmm. What confidence actually is, is a choice. Mm. And so the opportunity or the antidote when you're feeling judgment is to choose confidence, to choose to trust yourself. So in that example, like, okay, so if somebody is vacationing in Bali uh, and I'm choosing and I'm and like, I'm feeling behind or something's wrong with me or whatever, the way I would choose confidence is go, you know what? This feeling that I have inside of me is telling me that I have a desire. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a desire to go to Bali. Maybe it's a desire to take vacations. Maybe it's desire to elevate my lifestyle, whatever it is, but it's giving me some insight into desire. I get to choose to trust myself. Okay. So what is this telling me? What do I want to do about it? Get into action um, type thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And the reality is we're choosing confidence far more than we give ourselves credit for. I'm sure you do this, Ashley. Like we all have days where we aren't feeling it, right? Mm -hmm. But if you have a speaking engagement or if you have a podcast recording, it doesn't matter whether you feel it or not. You have to choose it. You basically clean yourself off however you can and get up there and bring your best. We do this in our work lives. We do this with our children. We do this in our our relationships all the time the opportunities to be conscious of it. Like, Hey, I'm not feeling it right now, but I'm going to choose it. Mm. I love that. And it's interesting because I think life is really weak when you're just guided by how you feel. And it's ironic that I'm saying that because I tell people follow what you feel good and your life is what you feel, but sometimes your feelings interact with your discipline for something you want, the higher version of yourself. And it's like, just because you feel like a piece of pizza 
but like you're, you're allergic to dairy and it makes you feel sick. It's like, you have to honor the, those higher visions of your higher self too. So yeah. Such a vortex sometimes of following what you feel and also honoring what your higher self really needs. Okay. So let me just real quick, actually, uh, my coach, Lisa Kalman has something about this that really helps me because I have the same thing. She basically says, it's okay to have your feelings. You should feel them. You should acknowledge them. You should appreciate them. It's it's okay to have your feelings. Your feelings just shouldn't have you. And and that was a good thing. It's like, okay, I need to feel my feelings. They're there for a reason. I need to acknowledge them. If I trust myself, then I need to experience my feelings. Having said that, when I put my feelings in the driver's seat and think that they control and they own me as if I still don't have choice in the matter, that's where it becomes problematic. Wow. That's interesting. And I think the metaphor of a driver's seat is so real. Like, where is your the voice in your head, the trash talk, or what is it? Head trash? Like, mm-hmm. is it in the front seat? Is it in the passenger seat next to you? Is it in the back seat? Like, hope it's in the back seat for you. Um, yeah, I say throw it out the window if you can. <laughs> amen. amen. Um, and shit talking yourself usually has a, a motivational effect. Like there's, you know, what is it? NLP that would suggest that? Is that body of work that would suggest that if you say to yourself, like, you're stupid. It's a way to motivate yourself to go get smart. So these negative voices in your head usually are motivational and that's why you keep them around. But my friend, there's a better way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So number five is seeking external confidence as a derailer. Um, and I know I asked you about Botox. Um, tell me a little bit more about this one and how to build yourself back up from it. Yeah. So basically I call this a, the false formula and we're all kind of running around with this, myself included, it's it's because it, we've been fed it most of our lives. The false formula for confidence is if X happens, then I'll feel confident. Yeah. And X can be, you know, Botox, as we talked about, it can be compliments, it can be promotions, it can be income, it can be a uh, number on the scale, it can be whatever, like you can fill in the blank, but we all are operating as if there is this X, there's this, like, as if something or someone is out there walking around with our confidence and we're playing some weird ass game of where's Waldo trying to find it. Right. Mm -hmm. And then once we find it, somebody's going to give it to us and we're going to be good. Um, the reality is, is for most of us, we've experienced this where we get the thing and it feels good temporarily, but like any addict, like any addiction, then we need and want more of it. So like, yeah, getting a compliment feels good, but if if you think that you need compliments in order to feel confident, then when you get one, you're going to feel great for about 30 seconds. Yeah. And then it's only a matter of minutes before you're fishing for the next one because you, you want that feeling. And so yeah. um, it's, it, 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 it's happening everywhere in all of our lives. I've found this to be the biggest confidence derailer, but the one that's happening so subconsciously that we're not even aware of it. I I can't tell you how many times I catch myself going, Oh crap. I just did it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. A little Britney Spears. Oops. I did it again. Yeah, exactly. It's it's crazy. It's like, you know, you don't want to live for other people's compliments. You don't want to, for the Botox to be the reason you feel good, but I gotta say, I feel so much better ever since I got that Botox. Like good for you. Yeah. Go do it. Yeah. Yeah. But 
I, I would submit that it didn't change your trust in yourself. No. Every, yeah. So if anything, it strengthened it. I was like, I knew this Botox was going to help me. I always know <laughs> it's best for me. Trust that yeah. voice, Ashley. Right. Well, and that's the good example. It's less about the Botox and le- and more about you made a decision for yourself. You trusted your instinct. You trusted that you know what's best for you. You trusted that you're the decider. Everybody else's opinions be damned, yeah. right? Like that is trust. Whatever you do from that place, like people sometimes ask me, like, is this person confident or is that person confident? Or like, is this a confident action? Or, like there's only one person who knows that and it yeah. isn't me. Yeah, I can only speak to my own confidence. So yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's a, it's a individual thing. And, and, and that's the antidote, by the way, to seeking confidence externally. Mm. It's building confidence internally. And there's lots of ways that we can do that. Ooh, um, some. I'm ready. I'm in it. I want to be, okay. Cause it's like all these people, like we all take compliments and we're like, Oh, we're worthy. But it's like, we need to get high on our own supply. Like how do we, <laughs> how do we totally, I don't know where I just came up with that either, but I love talk it. Talk to me. Like, how do you start to talk to yourself and believe it? Yeah. So the way we build confidence internally is, is there's some general things that are going to work for all of us, but I would just ask you and and our listeners, how do you build trust in any relationship? How does somebody build trust with you? How do you build trust with another? The answer lies in there. That's how you build trust with yourself. For most of us, things like keeping our commitments, that's going to build trust. And that means the commitments you make to others, as well as the commitments you make to yourselves. I've found we tend to be better at keeping the commitments we make to other people. Like if we commit to our team or our boss that we're going to have this in by this deadline, we're probably going to do it. But if we commit to ourselves that we're going to meditate or take time for self-care or work out or whatever, like those are the things that go by the wayside pretty easily. Mm -hmm. And when we, this isn't about perfectionism, nobody keeps hundred percent of their commitments, but when we are constantly breaking the commitments we make, whether it's with ourselves or others, it chips away at our trust. So that is keeping your commitments and not over committing mm-hmm. side note on that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's the great- thing when you overcommit, you're not committed to anything. These people who are committers are like, Oh, I'm so committed. I'm a mom. I'm a this, I'm a that. I'm a that. It's like, but are you doing all of those things? Cause then you're not yeah. actually committed. Um, I had a client like that where that was like the big breakthrough was like, you are not committed because you're too committed. Um, I love what you're sharing about trust because, okay. So I hate that I'm admitting this, but right now in New York, I'm dating a few men. So I have like a little mantourage happening and I'm noticing that one of them is bringing out a very secure attachment in me. He tells me when he's going to reach out. He reaches out when he says he does, he will. He never misses a date. If anything, he delays it by an hour if he has a work call, but he still wants to show up. Like there's this, there's this, um, trust that I've built towards him because he does what he says he's going to do. And he, and it brings out this like confidence in dating somebody like him. Like, I believe he's just solid. And my mom was telling me like, what a great word to describe someone that you date Mm -hmm. is solid. Um, and these other guys are not bringing that out for me They're They come in really strong. They disappear. It's like a whirlwind. And I get it. It's New York. Everybody's dating everybody, whatever. But, um, I think that that is so cool that you pointed out that you do what you say you're going to do, not just for other people, but for yourself, 
And that's where it's yeah. so tough, right? Like I'm going to work out. And it's like, mm, like, I don't want to, but I don't that, feel like your it. confidence, yeah. my friend, you can't yeah. say you're going to make that commitment and not do it. And yes, if your body hurts and you're in pain and you can't go that day, but, but that there's a difference between like making excuses and needing a second. And so just being careful. I, I love what you're sharing there. Yeah. And I think you hit a good point, both with the man that you're dating and in that analogy is that commitments can be renegotiated, right? So if I have a commitment to work out at least three days a week, if I'm injured and can't do that, then I'm going to renegotiate that commitment in that particular period of time. Like we have these weird things. And and my husband, it's funny, I describe him as as a rock. Mm -hmm. I love that. it's, um, he, I trust him implicitly. Mm -hmm. Have he, we had moments where trust has been broken. Yeah. And small things on both sides. Um, but not in any big way, but what I will tell you, um, one of the things that's probably the most trust building for me with him is the commitments he keeps for himself. He is uber disciplined. He wakes up every morning and meditates, reads, works out. Um, and he prioritizes taking care of himself in that way. Yeah. And it actually builds trust, yeah. not only within him, but for me, because yeah. I know he when does he what says he wants. he's going to do something mm-hmm. and when he commits to something, he's going to do it. Yeah. It's a really powerful thing. I think that it's interesting because that requires a lot of discipline and I am attracted to men who have it because I'm like, oh, you're, you're, you make me feel safe. Like I don't have to worry, you know, um, this has been so awesome. What have I not asked you? Well, let me just give you a laundry list of other ways yeah. you can build tr- internal trust. Yeah, um, and uh, so another tip. So tip number one is um, keep your commitments. Tip number two, create and communicate boundaries. Ooh, that's a big one. Yeah. Um, tip number three, take care of yourself. Basically practice self-care, whatever that means for you. Tip number four is plan, prepare, practice. I call it the three Ps, um, but just make sure you don't over plan, over prepare, over practice, but obviously Planning and preparation will help build trust. Uh, be grateful. Practice gratitude. Um, your brain can't be focused on the head trash if it's focused on on gratitude. So shifting your focus there. Um, tip number six is speak your truth. Um, use your voice. Say what's true for you. Uh, on that, or an extension of that, tip number seven is stand up for yourself. Mm. Tip number eight is be your own hype person. Um, you know, basically be excited for yourself and Mm -hmm. and share what's going great in your world. Um, Tip number nine is sleep. This is kind of a funny one, but if you think about it, if you don't sleep enough, you're basically operating like a drunk person in your day and in your life and nobody trusts a drunk person. So sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, And then tip number 10 is choose your people wisely. Who Mm -hmm. you surround yourself with matters. Nobody you surround yourself with will give you confidence. My husband did not give me confidence. But surrounding myself with him definitely reinforces, supports, and encourages my trust in myself. So choose your people wisely. I love that. And I think a lot of that has to do with liking the people you choose. Because sometimes, you know, we talk about picking people we love in our life, but sometimes we don't talk enough about picking people we like. Oh, so good. Like feels like it's stronger than love. Like, yeah, you love the person, but do you like them? Do you like who Mm -hmm. they are in the world? Do you like who they are to you? So it's like picking people you don't just love, the people you really like, because, you know, my mom is an example. She has some like friends from high school where I'm like, mom, 
so-and-so isn't like the best human being. Like, why are you guys good friends? Not to judge her, but she doesn't really show up for you. And you keep showing up for her and just looks sad to me. And it's like, well, I love her. You know, it's like, well, but I don't really like her, you know? So interesting. Um, yeah. This, you're so epic, full of tips. I hope everybody writes these down, re-listens to the episode. You know, there's so much power in simplicity. You know, we're in such a complicated world, but the simplicity of your 10 tips you just gave, it's so straightforward. And we don't need to overthink it and go into head trash tip, you know, confidence derailers, my friends. Um, thank you so much, Nicole. And where can everybody find you and your book? Yeah. So uh, my website's probably the best place, NicoleKhalil.com. Um, I have the podcast. This is Woman's Work. Mm -hmm. uh, you can check it out anywhere you listen to podcasts. And the book will be available on Amazon and, and bookstores. Um, the date they're giving me right now is September 7th. Uh, with supply chain issues that might get adjusted, but for sure in September of 2022. Um, and uh, can't wait for you to get your hands on it. So thank you, Ashley, for having me. This has been so much fun. Yeah, you've been, you're just full of information and God knows I love information. So um, I'm excited to be on your show too. I'm excited we're here and um, thanks again. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into the U-Turn Podcast. And thank you again so much for our sponsors. We are here because of you and to our listeners. Thank you for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people and brands that we trust and we believe in. And just for listening to the show, writing your reviews on the Apple app, and just being willing to make your own U-Turns. We'll see you next week.